Please be seated. Happy New Year. Welcome 2021, right? Glad that 2021 is here. Looking forward to a great year with you. Just as Gazel said, to make disciples who will make disciples. That is the reason we exist. That is why we are here. That is why nothing will get in the way of that mission. And we want to do everything we can to make sure that we are a part of that mission, hopefully individually and corporately um, going into this year. So I want to go ahead and jump right into where we're going and what we're doing for the next seven weeks. We're going to go back to 1 Peter. We took a break for 1 Peter because we were in our Advent series. Now it's January the 3rd, 2021. We're going to jump back into 1 Peter. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. In order to help get us on the same page and make, maybe in the form of a reminder, I want us to just do a little bit of um, sort of recap, a summary of sort of some of the things that we've been learning. Peter being an apostle of Jesus Christ, being led by the Holy Spirit to write a letter to a group of people who have been dispersed all over the world and with the gospel uh, that they have been saved by. And so he's writing to them, he's encouraging them, that as they suffer, he wants to encourage them to hold fast to the truth that they have, to this inheritance that they have. He says, you are a people of God's possession. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You have this unbelievable hope in a Savior who you can depend on, who you can trust. I don't want you to lose sight of that, regardless of your situations and circumstances. I don't want anything that happens to you, whether it be good or bad, to detract you from what you have in Christ Jesus, because it is so good, and that there is nothing like it. Second best is doesn't even compare to who he is, what he offers, and what he provides. And so Peter is trying to get them to understand that, yes, you are going to go into some difficult situations and circumstances I don't want you to lose sight of this great inheritance and of this great hope that you have. And so that's what Peter is trying to do. is trying to get them to realize that, trying to get you and I to realize that, and realize, how, realize that we would hold on to that. And so as we take a look at our text for, the, for this morning, this, this morning, well, I've been doing this a little bit since August 16th. It's not morning. I understand that. So it, since... Uh, the text that we have this morning is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And that's where we're going to, 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 to dive in uh, this afternoon. Okay? So what is going on in this text? Really, our text today addresses the hostility of the unbelievers towards those who are believers and trying to live the life that Peter says for us to live a holy life. So you have hostility from the unbelievers towards those that are living a holy life or a life that is set apart for the gospel. Hostility and holiness. And they collide in verses 13 through 17 of chapter 3. And Peter is trying to get us to understand, listen, I want you to be ready for this. Uh, Peter understands what Jesus told us in the scriptures that, hey, if they hated, they hated me, they're going to hate you. If, if, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. 
And so he's trying to get them to see this. I want you to hold on to it. I want you to believe in him. I want you to follow him. I want you to have hope in him. I want your trust to be fully fixed on who Jesus is. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, what we're going to do is read one verse at a time. We're going to make some comments on it. And then we'll wrap it up at the end with two questions that I think can help us go forward in the new year and in the days ahead. Okay? So let's take a look. We're going to just read it one verse at a time. Um, so really, here's verse 13. Verse 13 says this. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Who is there to harm you for if you are zealous for doing good? It's really a rhetorical question. What Peter is telling them is, really, you have this faith in Christ. You have this hope in Christ. You have this trust in Christ. Who is there to harm you for doing good? You and I are in the West, and it is very unlikely at this point in time, it is very unlikely that we will have to die for our faith. I'm not saying it's impossible that we wouldn't be called to do that. But when you look at the grand scheme of things and what people in East Asia are doing and meeting in midnight in the underground places of their city so that they can worship King Jesus, it is unlikely that we will be called to give our life for our faith in Christ. He asks a rhetorical question here and he says, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Now, what I did in this text is that word zealous got me a little, it was a big challenge for me this week. I'm sitting there and I'm asking the question, Matt Rice, what are you zealous for? What are you passionate about? I want to be known, I want us to be known collectively and individually that we are zealous for the things of Christ. And I would ask you, what are you zealous about? My prayer is that you would be zealous about making disciples who make disciples. You might sit there and say, I don't even know what that means and I don't even know how to do that. I, I want to talk to you about that. We want to talk to you about that. But, but here's, here's the question, here's the challenge is, what are you zealous about? Listen, we've been left here for a purpose. And that is, of course, to make much of Jesus with the life that he gives us, however long we're here for. If it's the average of 70-some years, then we are to be zealous about the things of God, which the things of God are making disciples who make disciples. And that's what we want to be about. Well, in this text right here, Peter asks a rhetorical question. Hey, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Then he jumps in to another question or another statement. And he says, okay, let's just say, for instance, you're doing the right thing. You are living for God. You are, you are serving God. You are following God. You are trusting in God. And things don't go right. How are you going to respond? Look at verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, righteousness sake here it says, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. So Peter, has got them all here. They're all gathered together. He's, listening, he's, he's writing this letter so that they will understand. Listen, I want to encourage you. Even if there are people that will do harm for you for standing up for the things of God, I want you not to fear them. I don't want you to be afraid of them. I want you to do the right thing 
in the midst of their hostility toward you as a follower of Jesus. I don't want you to back down for doing the right thing. I don't want you to cave in when you're asked to give an answer for what you believe. I don't want you to cave. You will be blessed. And you've heard me say this before. The blessing of God when we stand up for righteousness is not the stuff that we have. It's, it's his presence in our life. If you look at the book of Acts in chapters 4 and 5, you really find out the start of the church. Peter is one of those with John and a couple of others. And, and, and they are arrested by the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Council of Seventy. They're arrested because why? What are they doing? They are preaching. They're preaching Jesus is what they're doing. They're arrested. They're arrested. The Sanhedrin gets together and says, okay, what are we going to do? They come back to Peter and John, James and John, and they look at him and said, okay, listen, we're going to let you go, but we need you to stop talking about this Jesus person. And in the midst of all of that, the hostility of the crowd, Peter sits up and says, whether it's right in the sight of God or men, you be the judge. All we can do is answer and give testimony to the things we have seen and to the things we have heard. So Peter, in all of this right here, stands up before the Jewish Sanhedrin and he tells them and he demonstrates to you and I, I'm not afraid of you disagreeing with me who believes that Jesus is the Messiah and is the only way. I'm not going to fear you. I'm not going to bow down when given the chance. He tells him right there, he says, hey, I, I want you to, let's go back to the verse. Go back to 14. It says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. What he is doing is he's reassuring them that what they are doing is the right thing. What they are doing pleases God. And when you please God, you, that is the greatest place you need. I tell my kids all the time in the world, uh, Dad, are you, are, you, are you upset at what I did? Let me tell you this right now. You never have to ask the question, am I upset? If you can answer the question, is God pleased with what I did and what I said? If you can answer the question, is God pleased with, with what I did, you can sh be sure enough to know that I'm going to be pleased with what you did and what you said. The, the question must be asked, God, are you pleased with how I have, am living? Are you pleased with what I'm zealous about? Are you pleased with what I'm doing and how I'm standing up for, for who you are? And, 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 and Peter is, is really such a great example of that because not only that, He's coming to them and he's recognizing, hey, listen, I know right now that many of you are doing the right thing, but you feel like a complete minority. You're doing the right thing. You are standing up for, for, for righteousness. And it feels like that things are just not going your way. That they're getting the final say. And Peter is reassuring them from his experience Listen, don't fear them. Don't be troubled. Cast your cares upon him. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. He will not let you down. And then he goes down in verse 15. And really, verse 15 
is sort of the summary of this section of text right here. All of the verses that we are going to read this, this, this afternoon, this verse 15 is, is really the key. He's telling us verse 15, it says this, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this when there are people that don't like what you're saying, don't like what you're doing? They will persecute you. You will suffer. Then, then how are you to do this? He answers the question in verse 15. But in your hearts, so in your hearts, that's the center of who you are. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what it says in Proverbs. So, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord. As holy. Stop right there. He's basically saying what you've heard your entire life if you've been in church. He's saying, I want you to set him apart in the place that he so rightly des deserves. He deserves that place. Place him there. If you are going to go through situations or circumstances that are tough and you're being persecuted, whatever the case might be, you're doing the right thing, but you're not seeing the results that you want then what I want you to do is I want you to make sure that what you are doing is you're putting Christ. You're recognizing his holiness. You're recognizing his sovereignty. You are recognizing that there is no one like him. None. He is the only one that we should follow, that we should obey. He has the final authority in all things that we do and how we respond and how we act. But in your hearts, Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Here's the other part he tells us he wants us to do. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So here's the question that we have that this is answering. How are we to manage the persecution that is sure to come our way in this day and time? I said earlier, we're probably not going to be asked to lose our life, but certainly we will be persecuted for the things that we believe, that we believe in Christ and we believe what the Bible teaches. So how are we going to handle this hostility? First, he says, you're going to honor Christ. You're going to revere him. You're going to place him first. You're going to follow him. You're going to trust him. That's really what Peter has been trying to say. I was um, in high school. I remember this like it was yesterday. And um, every single one of my friends would ask me the question, why are you always the designated driver? You, you get us home when we party. You, 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 you even prop me up on the steps and rang the doorbell for my parents to bring me inside because I was so drunk. And they would always ask me the question, why? And in my boldness, Here's what I said, because I'm diabetic and I don't drink. <laughs> I was so on fire for Jesus at that time. And that was my answer. And I remember another time, Joe Alicki has come to my house. And he, he's, he's up, he, we go up to my room and he looks on my nightstand and there's a Bible next to it. And he said, what's that? And I was like, it, it, it's, it's a Bible. It's like, well, do you read it? And I, went, I sort of mumbled through that a little bit. Because the truth of the matter, I didn't. And here he was asking me a question. And I wasn't ready. 
I was driving home from the mountains this morning. Family got to spend some time away, and I was listening to a testimony of a man by the name of Beckett Cook. Beckett Cook was in Hollywood, probably one of the biggest fashion designers of the, uh, of the age. He had made it to the pinnacle of his career. All of his clients were, um, were past tense, were A-list celebrities in Hollywood. Beckett Cook, by his own admission, lived for a long time a homosexual lifestyle. And then one day he was in a coffee shop in California. And he was sitting there with a friend at a table on, a, on, on, on this Saturday morning. And he looked over next to him and he saw a group of people at a table and they were reading the Bible. And he said, you don't see that in L.A. in a public place. Then all of a sudden, they started praying together. And he said, so I did what I now know is probably a Christian's dream. I looked over at him, and I asked him the question, are you Christians? And they looked at me, and they said, yes, we are. And for the next hour and a half, we went into an incredible dialogue about this Jesus who I did not believe existed, nor I did not believe loved me. He said, they talked to me for an hour, showed great compassion. They were gentle. They were respectful of me and my friend. Here's what they did next. They asked me to come to church with them next Sunday. They invited me to their church. He said, I had just become an atheist, but I thought for a moment, what if I was living in a way that did not please God. Maybe I should find out what this God thing is all about. He said, I showed up at their church. He said, I cannot tell you what happened to me that day. All I can tell for you is for the very first time in my life, I experienced the great love of the God of the universe. And it was that day that I gave my heart and my life to Jesus. And I'm saved by his grace. I'm listening to that testimony as I'm driving in here today, and a couple of things point, a couple of things stick out to me. Number one, I'm so grateful that the this group of people at a coffee shop in California were able to give a reason for the hope that was within them when they were asked. I'm grateful for this group of people that were over there that did so gently and with respect and with great agape, unconditional love. And I'm grateful that they allowed the Holy Spirit of God to speak through him because it is only through him that people are changed. I, I encourage you to go on and look at his story. His name is Beckett Cook. So here's the question right now. Is are you ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you? You were sitting at that coffee shop and someone turned around and looked at you and said, are you a Christian? What would you say? Beckett Cook said that day changed his life forever. He also said, I lost every single client I ever had in L.A., but I gained the Savior who died and set me free from all sin. Here's what we want to see. What we want to see is we want to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us. Number verse 16, real, look at that really quick. 
Verse 16 says this. He goes on, he says, we do this with gentleness and we do this with respect. That's how we answer when we give, the, give an answer for the hope that's within us. Verse 16, he says this, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for good, doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Don't you want to live your life without any regrets? As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I think one of the things that we're challenged by is that we want to live our life with the least amount of regrets. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to say something we should have said or not say something we should have said. What, what, what Peter is encouraging us to do is having a good conscience. There is a conscience that's within us that allows us to know this is wrong, this is right. The conscience is not the Holy Spirit. The conscience does not drive us unto the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, it is the conscience, but it's also God's presence in us through the power of the third part of the Trinity to help us to recognize what our sin is and what we can do about it and what he did about it. It so that when you are slandered, you who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. When Christ is in his place, he wants us and is designed for us to be in that place, to sleep well. He desires for us to sleep well, to rest well. And when Christ is honored, when he is holy, and we live like he is holy, and we live like we believe in him, that we have hope in him, that he can cure anything and everything, that he can save anyone, that he can heal anyone, the God that is the same today as he was yesterday. That that's the God that we serve. That's who we pray to. That's who we believe. That's who we hold on to. And that's who we are making disciples unto. Who make disciples unto him. And so Christ wants us to suffer well for his glory. So here are our questions as we close. Here's our questions as we close. No, number one right now, this is in your worship center app if you have that. Um, these are also our life group questions. Number one, what will it take for you to be zealous for Jesus? What needs to change in your life today? What will it take for you to be zealous for Jesus? What, what needs to change? I want to be zealous. I want to be passionate about the things of God. There are so many things that get in the way and distract us. My question for you is, are you hungry for the things of God? Peter is looking at him and he's saying, listen, I, I want you to be zealous for him. And, and number two, the second question I have for you today, Matt and Alex, you guys can go ahead and make your way on the stage. But the second question that I have for you here is, are you confident and ready to be able to give an answer for the hope you have in Jesus? Are, are you confident and ready to be able to give an answer for the hope you have in Jesus. The second part of that question is what needs to change so that you can answer this question with great confidence. Picture yourself at that coffee shop. Picture yourself asking someone or picture yourself reading the Bible with a group and someone comes up to you and asks you a question. Are you a Christian? Do you believe what that book says? Let us not be fearful. Let us with great hum humility 
gentleness, kindness, and unconditional love be ready to answer and give an answer for the hope that's within us. The hope that we have in Christ is like no other. The love that we have in Christ is like no other. My prayer for us as we just continue is we would heed the words of Peter that we would live lives that are marked by being zealous for the things of God. And, and when things that happen that don't go our way, when we're doing the right thing, when we're living the right way, and maybe we don't see the results that we think we should get, understand that God is sovereign even in the way that he is processing and delivering and moving in our lives. His ways are higher than our ways. He is good. He is faithful, and he can be trusted, and we can have hope. I love you guys. Let's have a great 2021, and let's make many disciples who make disciples, and let's do that together. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for the privilege of being able to be here this, this afternoon to teach and pray that you would use this song as we close to honor you, to glorify you, to um, that you would be blessed and, and you would be uh, just honored by the way that we sing about you and sing for you. Lord, there is nothing that we have and nothing that we can do apart from your Holy Spirit. I recognize that these are just words that I'm saying. Your Holy Spirit can take it multiply it and use it among the people that are here today listening in whatever way or fashion and that you can use it in their life in the way that you see fit because you are God and there is no one like you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's